Good morning. Welcome back to The Daily Cast, a podcast to start the day on Kilcullen Diary. I'm Brian Byrne. It's Tuesday, the 18th of May, 2021. This morning, we're going to look briefly at the life of the first Pope to visit Ireland. And we'll listen to another voice from Kilcullen's past, the late Simon Doyle, or Simmy, as we knew him. But first, the weather. It'll probably be dry with good sunny spells through the morning. Showers are likely in the mid to late afternoon. Some of them could be heavy bursts with the possibility of thunderstorms. The highest temperatures will be around 13 degrees in light variable breezes. Our person of interest this morning is Karl Josef Wojciech, born this day in 1920 in Wadowice in Poland. He would later be elected Pope John Paul II. As a youth, the young Carl was interested in athletics and played goalkeeper for his school team. His sister, mother and brother died at various times and when he was 18, his father brought him to Krakow. There, Carl studied at university, learning up to 15 languages. He was also interested in theatre and playwriting. After Germany invaded Poland in 1939, he worked as a messenger, a labourer and in a chemical factory. When his father died in 1941, suddenly, Carl began thinking seriously about the priesthood. And he began studying in the clandestine underground seminary run by the Archbishop of Krakow. On August 6, 1944, he escaped by hiding when some 8,000 young men in the city were rounded up by the Gestapo to forestall any uprising. The Germans left in January 1945. Karl was ordained in November 1946 and he won his doctorate in 1948 on the subject of faith in St John of the Cross. He worked in a city parish and also taught ethics at the university where he'd studied. As well as writing articles on contemporary church issues, he also wrote plays and poetry under a pseudonym. In 1958 he was appointed as a bishop in Krakow. He contributed to the proceedings of the Second Vatican Council in the early 1960s, and in 1967 he was promoted to the College of Cardinals. In that same year, he was instrumental in the formulation of Pope Paul VI's encyclical Humanae Vitae, which dealt with issues that forbid abortion and artificial birth control. In October 1978, following the death of Pope Paul VI and the later 33-day papacy of Pope John Paul I, Cardinal Vatua was elected the 264th Pope of the Catholic Church. As Pope, he travelled a lot, journeying to 129 countries during his pontificate. He was the first Pope to visit Ireland, coming in September 1979, the centenary of the reported apparitions at Knock. I remember it well as a younger journalist, covering his trip from the Phoenix Park in Dublin, at Knock itself, and in his final Mass in Limerick. It was a busy, even a frantic time. As Pope, he was outspoken on many issues, both religious and political. His views on Catholic doctrine and sexuality were considered conservative. He was a critic of apartheid in South Africa and of capital punishment everywhere. He was a supporter of European integration. He condemned aspects of so-called liberation theology popular in Latin America. He strongly opposed the Gulf War and the invasion of Iraq. And he was the first world leader to describe the massacre of Tutsis in Rwanda as a genocide. 
he made considerable efforts to improve relations between Catholicism and Islam, and he made public apologies to many individuals and groups who had suffered at the hands of the Catholic Church through the centuries, from the persecution of Galileo, through the support for the African slave trade, burnings at the stake and the religious wars of the Protestant Reformation, and injustices committed against women. John Paul II survived an assassination attempt and a number of cancers, but in 2001 he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. He died on the 2nd of April 2005 at the age of 84. His pontificate was the second longest in modern history. He was later fast-tracked towards canonization, beatified in 2011 and canonized in 2014. For our feature today, we go back again to the archives. In this case, to a tape made by Nola Collins in 1996 in one of her many interviews of local people for profiles in the Bridge magazine. In this case, her subject was the late Simon Doyle. At the time, he was aged 74 and living in the cottage beside what is now the Link Park where he had been raised. The dwelling itself was interesting. It was one of what was known as the Parnell Cottages, homes built as a result of the Labourers' Ireland Act 1883, introduced by Charles Stuart Parnell, an act that became the foundation stone of a rural housing code aimed at improving the lot of labourers, then living mostly in mud cabins with thatched roofs. Simon Doyle was brought up in the house with five siblings. His own father, John, was one of 21 in family, raised in one of the cottages of Convent View, and one of the questions Nuala Collins asked Simon was how many of them had nicknames. Well, I can think of a few. There was Yarks, there was Trumps, there was Tom Dyle, there was the Cock Dyle, was Peter Dyle, he was a postman. There was Cuddy Dyle, that was Mick Dyle, and he was a postman. There was Put Dyle, who died early, around 24, 25 years of age. There was Hoppy. There was Grilla. There were all nicknames. And I remember asking the granny one day, how did it come they were all nicknamed? She says there was that many of them in it. If they called them with their proper name, they wouldn't answer you. And I put a nickname on them. In what were, by any standards, not easy times, Simon's grandfather and grandmother were able to look after their large family. Nola asked Simon what his grandfather worked at. He never worked in his lifetime. They used to call him the gentleman dial. He was in with the British Army on the Curragh, and he was out shooting, furred, fishing, you name it. He knew all about this. And of course, that's what the Englishmen wanted. And he made a living out of it. He made a living out of it. And did the granny, grandmother work? The granny used to go up to the curra with a racing cart, sell rabbits. And when she'd sell the rabbits, she'd have a small load of rabbits going up, but she'd have the car full coming back from the curra. Mm. Full of what? Everything, you name it. Food? Food, groceries, clothes, you name it. And that's how she reared the whole lot. Simon's father's growing up was, well, crowded in that Convent View cottage, as Simon recalled in his conversation with Nuala. I asked my father one time here, 
talking all about the family. There was only one room, a kitchen, and a back kitchen, mm. and a loft. And I asked my father, where did all the lads sleep? Mm. And he says, all the lads slept in a loft. A little ladder off the hallway, up onto the loft. And the loft was full of a big mattress of straw. Yeah. If it wasn't straw, it was chaff. And you had dust in there for the night. And I said to my father, how did you turn in the bed? Mm. And he says, when father turned, we all turned. <laughs> Simon Doyle himself worked in many jobs in his life, as was normal when sometimes work could be only for a few days or a few weeks at a time. But in his latter years before retirement, he'd worked for the Irish Rubber Company in their factory in Kilcullen. And he had a couple of sidelines. One of these was raising mice, as he told Nula. I started off with two mice. It was a field day, and Liam Connor got those two mice for the field day for Kikola. So when the field day was over, he brought them home and he put them into the garage. Actually, the two mice was in a biscuit tin for about two days before Liam be taught of them. So he came to me here one day. He says, I want a bit of cheese or a bit of bread off you. Says he have two mice out there, he says. I never thought of feeding them. So I get him cheese and I get him bread. And he come back in. Says he, if you want them two mice, you can have them. Of course I was the latest. Got me two mice, made up this box out the back, put me two mice in it. Got an old jumper, an old woolen jumper, folded it up, put it down in the corner, make a nest of it. Ah, the next thing, after a couple of months, I had a wreck of young mice. They kept piling up. So, we lads coming in looking for mice for field days. So I sold them out. A pound each. How <laughs> <laughs> many did you sell? I must have sold 200 mice. Oh. From two. So you had a mouse farm, had you? Mouse farm. Okay, Colin. Yes. Uh, and what happened? What all different colours. Oh, were they? Oh, yeah. Well, I thought they were all white. No, no. All oh, different really? colours, yeah. Out of the one pair? Yeah, after the photograph. That was cross-breeding, was yeah. it? Huh? It was cross-breeding. Yeah, all cross-breeding. And did you have to be there when they were being born or anything? No, no. No, you were near them at all. Yeah? And you see them the, running out. What was the end of them? Huh? What was the finish? I was down to six mice. Yeah. And this man from Dublin come down, John Brady, he was a... Uh, Conjurer. He was looking for two mice. So say, there you are, John, say. There's six mice out in the box. You can have the sixth. And they kept the sixth. And that was the end. That finished that. And just to note, that John Brady, the conjurer, as Simon mentioned, lived in Glasnevin and was formerly from Kilcullen. He was a former president of the Society of Irish Magicians and honorary life member of the International Brotherhood of Magicians. He passed away a little over a year ago, but Simon's last mice had obviously been in very good magician's hands. Though a man who was very well informed and aware of many things happening in the world outside, Simon himself didn't travel, though, as he told Nuala, he did leave the island once. I went to England for a funeral one time. I was over there for three days, and I hated the sight of it. I landed in Vesatra, and I come back of a Monday. We went to Mass that Sunday morning, and I said to the brother, 
after the breakfast we go down and get a drink now. He says, you won't get a drink today. I says, why? Because, you see, the pubs don't open and the sun's over here. He says, I, you must be joking. And we went out for a walk. And I said to him, says, I, I'm going to treat this pub. He says, you won't get into it. Well, says, I, there's no harm in trying. So I went over and I get three knocks at the door. And this curtain went back and looked out. And he opened the door, and I called the brother, and I says, I were going in. And he let us in. And there was about 20 of us in the pub. He says, you should get a gold medal. That's the first pub, he says. I'm here in England these years. That's the first time, he says, i ever seen a pub open. It was sent over here. Yeah. What part of England was that? Uh, Bristol. And who, whose funeral was it? It was uh, a nephew of mine. Okay. Mm. And did you go over on your own? No, I went over with the sister. I went over by plane. Did you like that? No, I didn't like it. Why? Uh, the sister gave me um, two tablets at Dublin Airport. She worked for a doctor. <laughs> you never travelled before. Take two of them tablets. You'll be all right. Took the two tablets. When I got off the plane, the far side, I couldn't feel myself walking. <laughs> I couldn't hear. I could do nothing when he looked at the sister. And what tablets were they? I don't know, but I met a brother over there anyway, in a pub. She says, what's wrong with you? She says, I, I can't hear. I can't feel myself walking. I took two tablets, as I, in Dublin Airport, and the two tablets sent me into orbit. What am I going to do? So he went over to the barman, and he told the barman. So the barman says, if you're right, he says, I'll mix up this drink for him. Three drinks in a small glass. He says, bring that back to him. He says, I intend to sip that. Just sip it. Take his time. And he said, it'll be all right. And I got all right. And what was in the drink? I don't know. I do not know. But it cured me. Me two years later shot. Like as if the atomic bomb went off. After taking the drink. <laughs> I was back to one. That oh. finished the tablets with me. So you didn't take tablets coming home? No, I did that. No. I met an uncle of mine over there. He says, what do you think of our country? So I to tell you the truth, say, I hate the sight of it. Because over there, if it's Sunday, everyone is gardening, washing cars, you name it, cutting lawns, sowing trees, sowing plants, yeah. if it's Sunday. I see the matter. So say, I hate the sight of it. So say, in earnest, so say, no one walks on Sunday. You're breaking the Sabbath. So say, over here, say, everyone is working. I wouldn't live here, so say, for diamonds. And I'll tell you something for nothing, so say. I'll be like the Pope visiting Ireland. When I get back to Dublin Airport, I'll get off that plane, and I'll get down, and I'll kiss the ground in Dublin Airport, and you'll never see me over here again. Never. And there, back in the land he loved, we'll leave the late Simmy Doyle, talking in his inimitable style to Nuala Collins in 1996. With his late brother John, they were known in Cacullin as the Sufferin Brothers. Great men to meet, great men to entertain, especially in what Simmy called his home pub of O'Connell's. Great men of an old wisdom, and we miss them. I thank Nuala for giving me the tape, and I apologise for taking so long to use it. It's one of those two scarce gems of Kilcullen heritage.
Looking to the news headlines of the day online, locally the Leinster Leader highlights a busier than usual Newbridge yesterday as non-essential retail outlets opened after four and a half months of lockdown. The paper pictures people waiting for the penny store to open yesterday morning. The Kildare Nationalist has the Kildare Village welcoming shoppers back and also gives prominence to a further step forward for the Food, Drink and Skills Hub project at the former model school in Athai. Local councillors have passed the Kildare County Council's Chief Executive Part 8 report on the plan. KFM Radio headlines the issuing of tenders for the Grand Canal Greenway and the Barrow Blueway. Nationally, the examiner leads with a story where the International Criminal Court is being asked to decide whether abuse in institutions here amounted to crimes against humanity. The Independent has hackers taunting Gardaí as they trawl through the dark web for patient data that may have been taken in the HSE cyber attack. The Times on that same issue says the Cabinet is to be briefed over patients' fears that the cyber criminals will abuse patient data. The journal .ie is on that same theme, headlining a comment that PPS numbers may have been in the compromised data of potentially tens of thousands of Irish people. RTE, meanwhile, goes on a different tack, noting that, according to a new survey, over 95% of workers support some form of remote working to continue, which, of course, has its own concerns for cyber security. And that's where we leave it this morning from the Daily Cast. Have a good day. I'm Brian Byrne and this is Kilcullen Diary and thank you all again for listening.